In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Beloved in the Lord, let us draw near with a true heart and confess our sins unto God our Father, beseeching him in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to grant us forgiveness. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. O Almighty God, merciful Father, I, a poor, miserable sinner, confess unto thee all my sins and iniquities with which I have ever offended thee, and justly deserved thy temporal and eternal punishment. But I am heartily sorry for them, and sincerely repent of them. And I pray thee of thy boundless mercy, and for the sake of the holy, innocent, bitter sufferings and death of thy beloved Son, Jesus Christ, to be gracious and merciful to me, a poor, sinful being. Upon this your confession, I, by virtue of my office, as a called and ordained servant of the word, announce the grace of God unto all of you. And in the stead and by the command of my Lord Jesus Christ, I forgive you all of your sins. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity. Let us give glory to him because he has shown his mercy to us. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babes and infants you have established strength. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Blessed be the Holy Trinity and the undivided unity, let us give glory to him because he has shown his mercy to us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Glory be to God on high and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. We praise thee, we bless thee, we worship thee, we glorify thee, we give thanks to thee for thy great glory. O Lord God, heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. Thou that takest away the sin of the world, receive our prayer. 
Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord. Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost, art most high in the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Let us pray. Almighty and everlasting God, you have given us grace to acknowledge the glory of the eternal Trinity by the confession of a true faith and to worship the unity in the power of the divine majesty. Keep us steadfast in this faith and defend us from all adversities. For you, O Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, live and reign, one God, now and forever. Amen. The Old Testament reading for the Feast of the Holy Trinity is from Isaiah chapter 6, beginning at the first verse. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him stood the seraphim, each had six wings, with two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, Woe is me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away your sin atoned for. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Blessed are you, O Lord, who beholds the deep and who dwells between the cherubim. Blessed are you, O Lord, in the firmament of heaven and greatly to be praised forever. The epistle is from Romans chapter 11, beginning at the 33rd verse. Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God! How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways! For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. 
To him be glory forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Alleluia! Blessed are you, O Lord, God of our fathers, and greatly to be praised and glorified forever. Alleluia! The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the third chapter. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born anew, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born anew. The wind blows where it wills, and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know whence it comes or whither it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, How can this be? Jesus answered him, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand this? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ.
We confess our faith now with the words of the Athanasian Creed on page 53. Whosoever will be saved before all things, it is necessary that he hold the Catholic faith, which faith except everyone do keep whole and undefiled, without doubt he shall perish everlastingly. And the Catholic faith is this, that we worship one God in Trinity and Trinity in unity, neither confounding the persons nor dividing the substance. For there is one person of the Father, another of the Son, and another of the Holy Ghost. But the Godhead of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost is all one, the glory equal, the majesty co-eternal. Such as the Father is, such is the Son, and such is the Holy Ghost. The Father uncreate, the Son uncreate, and the Holy Ghost uncreate the Father incomprehensible, the Son incomprehensible, and the Holy Ghost incomprehensible, the Father eternal, the Son eternal, and the Holy Ghost eternal. And yet there are not three eternals, but one eternal. As there are not three uncreated, nor three incomprehensibles, but one uncreated and one incomprehensible. So likewise, the Father is Almighty, the Son Almighty, and the Holy Ghost Almighty. And yet there are not three Almighties, but one Almighty. So the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Ghost is God. And yet there are not three gods, but one God. So likewise, the Father is Lord, the Son is Lord, and the Holy Ghost Lord. And yet not three lords, but one Lord. For there as, for like as we are compelled by the Christian verity to acknowledge every person by himself to be God and Lord, so are we forbidden by the Catholic religion to say there are three gods or three lords. The Father is made of none, neither created nor begotten. The Son is of the Father alone, not made nor created, but begotten. The Holy Ghost is of the Father and of the Son, neither made nor created nor begotten, but proceeding. For there is one Father, not three fathers, one Son, not three sons, one Holy Ghost, not three Holy Ghosts. And in this Trinity none is before or after other, none is greater or less than another. But the whole three persons are co-eternal together and co-equal, so that in all things, as is aforesaid, the unity in Trinity and the Trinity in unity is to be worshipped. He, therefore, that will be saved must thus think of the Trinity. Furthermore, it is necessary to everlasting salvation that he also believe faithfully the incarnation of our Lord Jesus Christ, for the right faith is that we believe and confess that our Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of God, is God and man, God of the substance of the Father, begotten before the worlds, and man of the substance of his mother, born in the world, perfect God and perfect man, of a reasonable soul and human flesh subsisting, 
equal to the Father as touching his Godhead, and inferior to the Father as touching his manhood, who although he be God and man, yet he is not two but one Christ, one not by conversion of the Godhead into flesh, but by taking the manhood into God, one altogether not by confusion of substance, but by unity of person. For as the reasonable soul and flesh is one man, so God and man is one Christ, who suffered for our salvation, descended into hell, rose again the third day from the dead. He ascended into heaven. He sitteth at the right hand of the Father, God Almighty, who from whence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead at whose coming all men shall rise again with their bodies and shall give an account of their own works. And they that have done good shall go into everlasting life, and they that have done evil into everlasting fire. And this is the Catholic faith, which except a man believe faithfully and firmly, he cannot be saved. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, early in the morning our song shall rise to Thee. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty, God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Holy, 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 all the saints adore thee, casting down their golden crowns around the glassy sea. Cherubim and seraphim falling down before thee, which wert and art and evermore shalt be. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I don't think Nicodemus truly understood the magnitude of the question which he came to Jesus with that night. He came in the night knowing that Jesus had truly come from God with what he postulated was an important question. But the answer he received from Jesus was one that was deeper than Nicodemus ever expected. It is an answer that speaks to the very foundations of the faith. It speaks to the very central tenets of our doctrines. 
the understanding of the work of God on our behalf to bring about our salvation. When Nicodemus asks of Jesus concerning how one enters the kingdom of heaven, he was not expecting a discussion of the Spirit. And he was not expecting any consideration of the coming of the Son of God into the world, his purpose for coming, and what has come because of it. And the Pharisee coming in the cover of night came to Jesus to inquire of him. He was not expecting the exposition that comes from Jesus' mouth. But because of it, we learn much concerning the work of the Spirit in the world, the mysterious work of the Spirit as he comes into the hearts of men and enlightens us to faith and salvation. We see the Trinity as it works for our salvation. As the Father gives to us His only begotten Son, that we might have eternal life. As the Son is sent into our world, not that the world would be condemned, but that the world might be saved through Him. The Son was given and sent, not that we would be condemned, but that we would live. So at the conclusion of his conversation with Nicodemus, Jesus moved from the discussion of new birth from above and the work of the Spirit to his work, which was coming on the cross. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. He gives the purpose for His coming into the world. He came that He might be lifted up upon the cross. He came that He might die. His true exaltation was as He rose up into the air, nailed upon the wood. And it is then he turned to what is truly one of the most well-known passages in all of Scripture, followed really by one that is rarely ever quoted. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. This passage so often quoted that it has in some ways become a cliché in itself. But it is so often quoted because it encapsulates the truth of the coming of the Christ into the world. And with it, the next verse, 17. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. That which is laid out in verse 16 is further summarized in 17. The coming of the Son into the world for the purpose of salvation. 
as we ponder this morning the doctrine of the Trinity, let us consider what Jesus has spoken of concerning himself and the Father and the working of the Trinity in salvation. First, we have that which motivated the Father to do as he has done. It is the love which God has for his creation that spurned the deeds which were done. It is the love of the Trinity for fallen mankind that brought about all that God would do in sending the Son into the world. All that we confessed just moments ago in the Athanasian Creed concerning the person and work of Jesus is done because of the sacrificial love of God toward mankind. It is the very defining attribute of God. As he says to us through John in 1 John chapter 4, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Agape, the sacrificial, self-giving love that cares more for the other than himself. He continues, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. When Moses was upon Mount Sinai before the very presence of God, God came to him in a cloud and revealed to Moses his name. His very essence. God said to him, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. This, this is how God described himself to Moses. A God merciful and gracious, abounding, in steadfast love. And it is this love that causes the giving of the Son. The Son was given over into the world. He was made incarnate of the Virgin Mary because God could do nothing else than save fallen mankind. He could do nothing else than redeem creation back to himself, and this he would do in the giving of his Son, his only begotten Son, the Son by whom the world would be saved. So the Son is given into the world that we might not perish, but have everlasting life. Trinity knew what was the end for mankind if it were to stay in our sins. We would perish. We would perish in those sins which we carry in our bodies. Sins which lead to death. For that is the end of sin. Sin leads to death, and there is no other alternative. There is no other option. For the wages of sin is death, as St. Paul says. 
accept if God were to give his only begotten Son. For this reason, God gave his Son that we might have eternal life, that we might not die as sin demands, but rather live with him, that we might not perish, but live. John says at the end of his gospel, these things are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, that by believing you may have life in his name. John wrote his very gospel that you might believe and by believing have life, life in this one who is the resurrection and the life. The Son was given into this sinful and fallen world that he might bring life and immortality to light. This verse is truly used so often because it speaks so clearly and simply of the work of the Trinity in this world. The will of the entire Trinity was that the Son would be given into this world that we might have life in him. John 3.16 so eloquently and succinctly speaks to this eternal truth concerning the salvation of mankind. It is no wonder that the church would choose to put this verse in our very reading for the Feast of the Holy Trinity, that day when the church ponders and considers the reality of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we read of the working of the Spirit birthing new creations in Christ. The one who gave, the one who the Father gave into the world that we might be saved. Life given in the working of the Spirit. Truly, a marvel to consider. Jesus did not stop there with verse 16. He continued on into verse 17, laying down another layer of this reality. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The Father sent the Son to the world, and the Son listened to his Father and would do his will. In the Gospel of John, Jesus often speaks of the one who sent me, or of the Father who has sent me. Not only here in 3 verse 17, but also in 4 verse 34, 5 verses 23 and 24, 6 verses 39 and 44, and 12, 44 and 45, and more throughout. It's littered throughout the entire gospel, that the Father has sent the Son, and that the Son has come to do the will of the Father. As he prayed in the garden, not my will, but your will be done. It is in this obedience in the active obedience of the Son toward the will of the Father and in the Son's full doing of the law, that he would die upon the cross for our sins. It is in this obedience 
that he offers his body and blood as a sacrifice before the Father, that we might be purified, made clean of our sins, that we might not die in them, but have life. But in this gospel, not only do we have the Father sending the Son, but also the Son sending the Spirit. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness to me. The Son sends the Spirit to the faithful that they might be called by the Gospel, enlightened with his gifts, sanctified and kept in the one true faith. As the Father sent the Son so the Son sends the Spirit, all that we might believe and have faith in the gospel of Christ. But finally, Jesus also sent the apostles. From John chapter 20, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The apostles were sent out into the world that they might proclaim this reality set out by Christ in John chapter 3. That the love of God might be proclaimed to all people. That the faithful would be called to baptism. Washed clean of all sins. Brought in to the one family of God made up of all the faithful of all nations of every language, tribe, and people. And this the church has been sent out to proclaim. And finally, Christ was sent into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The Lord did not come to condemn the world, for it truly already was. The condemnation of sin and its consequences was already upon the world really, really isn't very hard to look out around us and see the reality of a fallen world. To know that things are not as they are meant to be. We are not as we were created to be. This world is not how it was made to be. See, violence and rioting, discord and contention, disease and sickness. And we all feel the death we carry in our own flesh, that final end which we are all truly walking toward. No. Condemnation was not needed, for it has already come upon us. Instead, the Son was sent into the world that through Him it might be saved. Through Him the world would be redeemed back to the God who created us and formed us. That we might be brought back into fellowship with the God who would walk in the garden with us. That we might once again be in the presence of the very divine in Christ Jesus our Lord that in his death and resurrection he might bring salvation 
to mankind. This is the will of the Trinity. The will of the entire Trinity. All three persons. So let us this day consider and ponder this reality. The work of God on our behalf. The Son whom the Father has sent and given into this world. The Spirit whom the Son sends into our hearts that we might believe. The Trinity worked our salvation that we might have life. Life with Him as He has created us to be. In Jesus' name, Amen. In peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the peace that is from above and the well-being of the churches of Christ and for the godly unity of Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For our nation and all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially we pray for Bob and Jackie and Paul, for Eddie and Norma, for Kim and Ray and Suzette, for Chris and Gail and Therese and Marion, for Clayton and Meredith and James and George, for Larry Dean and Earl and Suzette, For Bob and Mallory and Mark, for Cheryl and Jennings and Hank and Sandy, for Owen and Bonnie Sue and Megan and Isaac, for Esther and Haley and Smitty and Stella, and for Marilyn. And we pray for Patty and for Cecil, for Michelle and Carl and Karen and Jimmy, for Tina and Ainsley and Richard, for Kevin and Colleen and Ron, for Caroline and Mary Ellen, for Brian and Natalie and Thelma, for Jesse and Ralph and Theo and Easton, for Janice and Doug and Fallon, for Colby and Jamie and Audra and Francis. And we pray for all those who mourn a loved one, for the Nolan family, the Linden family, the Ulrich family, the Dieterding family, the Whitfield family, the Koblitz family, the Bolton family, the Pacey family, the Dana family, the Jackson family, the Dembrum family, the Hankins family, 
and the Cole family. And we pray for those in military service, for Paul and Turner and Paul, and for Caleb and Hayden and Mike. And we pray for our university students, for Paul and Emma and Stanley, for Colleen and Griffin and Noah and John, for Katie and Dylan and Audrey and Dylan, and for Roz and Gage and Olivia and Sarah and Olivia. And finally, we pray for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the sure faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ's holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them in the Sabbath rest, which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead. Let us pray to the Lord. And finally, we pray this day that there might be peace in the world. Heavenly Father, God of all concord, it is your gracious will that your children on earth live together in harmony and peace. Defeat the plans of all those who would stir up violence and strife. Destroy the weapons of those who delight in war and bloodshed. And according to your will and all conflicts in this world, teach us to examine our hearts that we may recognize our own inclination toward envy, malice, hatred, and enmity. Help us by your word and spirit to search our hearts and to root out the evil that would lead to strife and discord, so that in our lives we may be at peace with all people. Fill us with zeal for your work of your church and the proclamation of the gospel of Christ, which alone can bring that peace which is beyond all understanding. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Taught by our Lord and trusting his promises, we are bold to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. The Lord be with you and with thy spirit. Bless we the Lord. Thanks be to God. The Lord bless thee and keep thee. The Lord make his face shine upon thee and be gracious unto thee. The Lord lift up his countenance upon thee and give thee peace. Amen. <laughs>